0: Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. If you got it, say, "Mm mm-hmm. All right, we're getting some soul up in here. Verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to to forestall by fleeing to tarshish i knew that you were a gracious and compassionate god slow to anger and abounding in love a god who relents from sending calamity now lord take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live before you're seated i want you to shake a few hands and tell them stop running (laughs) Once you've done that, you can go ahead and be seated. Who would like a $20 bill? Seriously, who wants a $20 bill? Okay, all right, hold on. I said no more running, bro. Hold on. Not there yet. Now, I'm going to give you this $20 bill. I'm going to give this to somebody. But before I do, as I crumple this here. Now, who wants the $20 bill? Oh, really? Okay. Well, how about this? Now, who wants a twenty-dollar bill? I guess they want it. <laughs> What's funny is that even though I crumpled it, stepped on it, messed with it, it never decreased in value. It's still worth twenty dollars. See, many times, even within our lives, we get crumpled, stepped on, torn apart, messed with. People talked about us, put us to the left, put us to the right, put us underneath, never on top. And yet you still never lose your value That's what I want you to understand here this morning Is that you and I, we never lose our value And what's very important, this is what's very important Not only do you not lose your value Neither do the people around you lose that value No matter, even if they look different from you And you think, well they're only 10 bucks, I'm 20 Still got value. Even if they're $100 and you're only 20 or you're only 50 still got value. Who would like this $20 bill? Who wants it? Want it? Let's see. I'll throw it all the way to the back. See who gets it. It was <laughs> rigged. Uh, it was rigged. That's funny. For those who are listening on the podcast, my sister got the $20. <laughs> hey, gas money, amen? Gas money. How many here love to eat? Okay, now I'm going to bring out a big. F- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we all love to eat, don't we? I love to eat. Now, you know what I found is that as I've studied the Bible, there's a whole lot of eating going on. Seriously, there's a lot. Matter of fact, even when you read the life of Jesus, he was always at a banquet, at a dinner, at someone's house, at a wedding, like always eating. You, you ever notice that? There's even a banquet called the Great Banquet. Like there was always a feast going on. I'm going to go to your house. Let's have a feast. I'm going to go to your house. Let's have a feast. There was always something dynamic about food. And so as I began to study about feasts, and I began to study about these different festivities of why they would even come together, and every coming together always had a purpose. There was one in particular as I began to study it, and it, I came across it, and I just, boom, I stopped right there because I started remembering uh, a few things. You know, my wife was Jewish, and so I'm starting to learn a whole lot more within that, and that is Yom Kippur. Has anybody ever studied Yom Kippur before? Was it, I began to study Yom Kippur. It really kind of astonished me. Now, Yom Kippur, just really quickly, it's the Day of Atonement, and in this day, it's the holiest of days in the Jewish culture. It's the holiest of days. I felt, I felt like really wearing my yarmulke right, from Brother Benjamin. I don't know if Benjamin's here, but I was going to wear it, you know, because Yom Kippur. Now, what's really interesting is that I, as I started to study this Day of Atonement, that there were a lot of different facets to these, this festivity. In particular, during the fasting and, and even the services of the day, what really caught my eye was that they studied the book of Jonah on Yom Kippur. Now, I began to think about that. I said, wait a second Yom Kippur is the holiest of days shouldn't they be studying like the book of Moses right or the Torah shouldn't they be studying you know that the the Pentateuch the first five books of the Bible I mean that's that's where they get it from but for whatever reason on Yom Kippur the holiest of days they study and read and recite during services the book of Jonah so I thought I said wow let me find out and let me get into this a little bit more now just to kind of give you a little bit uh, of background even about Yom Kippur because I began to study and said what is Yom Kippur really all about there's a couple things and uh, I re- don't really have a lot of time to get into it but you'll see where I'm going with it because we're going to go left and then all of a sudden we're going to go right but all of a sudden we're going to wind up in the middle. So, I need you to go left with me. Can you go left with me, real quick? We're gonna go left. Now, Yom Kippur, there's so many different things, but what is it about? The first thing that I found that Yom Kippur is about, it's about forgiveness awareness. Forgiveness awareness. In other words, think about this question Where would you be right now if God had not touched your life? Forgiveness awareness. Where would you be had God not come and interrupted your life? Now, for some of you, I can give you the adjective of miserable, and you go, yes. For others of you, some of you may think, well, God interrupted my great life. Well, my friend, you really need to understand that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Every man has sinned. All of us have sinned. And so when you begin to really understand that this day, and even you and I, even here today, we should have, even when we come to church, there should be a forgiveness awareness that God has forgiven me. And he that has been forgiveth much, love much. That's why we like to shake hands and shake, you know, give hugs and man, because I've been forgiven a lot. And since I've been forgiven a lot, I need to give a lot. Forgiveness awareness. Also, in Yom Kippur, another facet that is focused on is prayer, repentance, and acts of righteousness. Prayer, repentance, and acts of righteousness. Or in the Hebrew, it's called tefillah, teshuva, and sadaka. Tefillah, teshuva, and sadaka. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is prayer. Now, prayer, the thing about prayer is that you you got to be able to be aware of God In all that you do In other words You can't just come to church and say I come to church and I'm aware of God here But then you go to the movies and say God's not here I go to Bible study And God is there But when I go eat God is not here No When you The the, the purpose of this In this prayer Is understanding that God is around me All the time Having God awareness Also Repentance Repentance, in other words, where in my life did I make a wrong turn and where do I need to return? Where did I make a wrong turn and where do I need to return? I I missed the mark and I have to repent. Somebody say repent. And then also, sadaka or generosity. Generosity, where, this is what they do on Yom Kippur, they evaluate where in my life have I overlooked the needy in my world? See, all of us have a world that we live in and a world that we look at and a world that we see every day. So where in my world did I overlook the oppressed? Where in my world did I overlook those in need? Tefillah, Teshuva, and Sadaka. Now, Yom Kippur, they would pray and they would fast for these 25 plus hours and they evaluate where their life is or isn't. And also, on this holiest of day, it still got me that what they would do is, and they still do this, is that they study the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Now, Yom Kippur, for those of you who are not familiar, it just passed not that long ago. I want to say September the 22nd. But they, uh, what they do is they celebrate it according to the Hebrew calendar, which is the uh, Tishri, the tenth uh, of Tishri. And it falls on different uh, days throughout every year on our calendar. But they always keep it to their calendar. And on this day, 25 hours of uh, fasting, and it's funny because it's Yom Kippur is a feast, but on this feast, you fast. Kingdom of God, it's different, right? It's totally different. Come to the feast, but you got to fast. Cleanse yourself. It's all about cleansing. And on this day of cleansing, they fill themselves with the book of Jonah. So I said, why the book of Jonah? Out of all the books, the book of Jonah. So, what I want to do real quick is what God really began to show me, and I want to share with you here this morning. You know, we're, we're going to look at this really fast, and now we're going to go right. Now, we're going to look at the book of Jonah, and who was Jonah? Look at your neighbor and say, Who is Jonah? Now, Jonah was a prophet. He was given a few missions, but this one in particular was a mission to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. Now, Nineveh was known for their evil ways, such as their ability to skin people alive. Now, Jonah had been very vocal about what was going on in Assyria and opposing much of their ways and even of their beliefs. So, since he was so vocal, God said, okay, put your money where your mouth is. Right? You know how you ever see, especially right now, there's, we got a lot of political campaigns going on, and so we have a lot of people. And I, I saw this with the reporter. It's a true story. I think it was on CNN or MSNBC, one of those things. I, I forget. But they started talking about the war in Iraq, the war in Iraq, and the reporter wanted to get a little, you know, testy with the guy who was like, "Yeah, we, you know, we shouldn't be over there. We shouldn't be out there fighting." And they were going back and forth. And the reporter said, "Okay, are you willing to go out there and fight for our freedom?" And the person who was vocal, like, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, what's wrong with this, and what's wrong with that? And the reporter just kind of checked them. Said, okay, well, are you going to go over there? Someone has to fight. Are you going to do it? That's what happened with Jonah. Jonah. Assyria, they're wrong. They shouldn't do it. Okay, Jonah, you go over there and tell them. Okay, it wasn't that serious, you know. You know, I'm serious, but I'm not that serious. So, Jonah... He talks to God, and he tells him, look, I'm not the one. I don't want to do it. So for whatever reason, now this, as I begin to study it, like, Why did he leave where he was at? He didn't have to. He could have just opposed God where he was at. But for whatever reason, he gets on a boat. So here he is. He gets on a boat. As he's on the boat, all of a sudden, there's a big old storm. It begins to happen. There's a big old storm, and people, they start casting lots, and what's going on? Jonah's like, okay, it's all me. So Jonah then says, throw me overboard. They throw him overboard. When they throw him overboard, then a big fish, the Bible says many people believe a whale, comes, takes him in, and preserves him for three days. The moment he hits the water, the whole storm just stops. Now, when the storm stops, all of a sudden the Bible continues on and starts in the book, uh, continues on with the life of Jonah. Jonah then gets spewed out, the Bible says, onto dry land. Now, what many scholars believe is that the dry land he got spewed up on was the same place where he started from. You know what I love about that? Is that no matter where you go, God will always give you a fresh start. You could try to run from God all you want, but God will just take you right back to where he called you in the first place. A fresh start. Tell your neighbor a fresh start. So then all of a sudden, okay, Jonah's like, all right, I get it. Then he heads to Nineveh. When he goes to Nineveh, he begins to uh, share with them and, and prophesy, give them the prophetic word that they're going to be destroyed in 40 days. He then gets the whole nation. The Bible says the whole nation, including the animals. Not lying. Read it. Even the animals begin to repent. Everybody repented. I mean, can you imagine? i mean but that's how prophetic and how deep it cut to the people that they needed to change their ways they needed to change who they were now that's kind of the end of the story but this is what i want to look at i want to look at the life of jonah and what he did and why he did this but also why god did what he did to jonah And then as we find this, you will find out why on the holiest of days the Jews still read this book to this day. Now, why did Jonah do what he did in running from God? What I found is this. Number one, when we run from God, we run to the strangest places. Ever notice that? Now, maybe it hasn't happened with you, but it's happened with me. I looked at this and I said now why did he run to Tarshish this is what I found There were two things that I found possibly the Bible doesn't say this is just what I found in my own study why did he run to Tarshish of all places he could have went anywhere else but he went to Tarshish you know what quite possibly could have happened he went to Tarshish because maybe there were some old friends there maybe he knew some friends that hey they were going to help him and kind of Understanding that why he ran from God. Oh, you guys get it? You, every one of us has those old friends that will accept your old ways. Right? They see you doing your new thing, they see you doing your new ways, but they'll, they're ready to embrace you in a hot second if you come back to your old ways. Jonah quite possibly could have went there because he had acquaintances that would accept him for who he is and not for what God had called him to to become. Hey, you're oh, you're good. Don't worry. I don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. it's, uh, it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. A little bit of Monica in my life. No big deal. It's just, your wife's not going to know. Your children aren't going to know. Your husband's not going to, it's not a big deal. We understand you. So Jonah quite possibly could have been running to a place where it was his old way of thinking. See, some of you here this morning, you need to understand that all of us, we have that old place. But unless we cut that place off now, it's always going to be an option. See, Jonah went to a place where the options were open. I'll go, I'll go right there. Not a big deal. The second thing that I found about this that really got to me is that the Bible says that Jonah paid the fare. In other words, he didn't care how much it cost. You know what he did? He lost his dignity when he paid the fare. He lost, I don't care. I, I don't even care. Because now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you've ever ran from God before, you don't care who or what is in your way. I'm gone. I, 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 where Where's it at? Okay, i'm gonna go. I, I, I don't even care. I don't care who's there. Okay. I just I gotta get as far away from Them or him as possible And that's what was happening with jonah. I just I, I gotta get away And so what he did was when he did that he lost his dignity He lost being that prophetic man that god had called him to be to speak to the children of israel now keep in mind god called him to speak to nineveh as prophets you don't speak to anybody else but israel all the prophets spoke to israel only jonah was the first one he said no i want you to go and i want you to speak to nineveh like "Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on that's a little bit too far here that's a little bit too much so, I, I hold on, I, I, I got I to go somewhere where maybe nobody else knows me. Or even those that do know me, they'll accept me for who I was. See, this is what we find here with Jonah. He finds, and he even begins to say that God is generous with his grace. Jonah's story, even on Yom Kippur, is the required reading of God's generous grace. You know what I also found about this book of Jonah is that you will see that God will want to get you back with actually without trying to pay you back. God wants to get you back. He wants you back in his loving arms. This is what I found about the book of Jonah, why this is so powerful of reading, because this book talks so much about God's grace. God's grace. Another thing that I found with the book of Jonah is that you will find that great moves of God start with the genuine revelation of the love of God. Listen to me. It's very important. Great moves of God always start with a genuine revelation of the love of God. Now, as I begin to look at that, I said, wait a second. When we talk about revival, one of the main things that we talk about, with revival is what repentance, right? You got to repent first. But this is a scripture I found, Romans chapter 2 verse 4. It says, "Have you not realized that God's kindness leads you to repentance?" It starts with God's grace and God's love. See, a lot of times we think you got to get right. Okay, well before they got to get right, you got to get kind. Can you express the love of God in a way that is kind? Even, even Jonah said that. Remember when he was talking to God? He said, he said I knew you were a gracious God. It, this is why, that, that, I, that blows my mind. He's mad at God because God is so gracious. Like, oh, God, I thought you were going to kill them. Right? That's what was supposed to happen. But Jonah, it says right here, is displeased with God exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now, why was Jonah angry? Because, of course, what was supposed to happen, he was supposed to give the word, and God's judgment on Nineveh was supposed to come down. But instead, God's mercy came down. Now, look at this. Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. Look at this. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled. See, another other words, look, this is why I didn't go to where you told me to go. Because I knew if I showed up, you were just going to show mercy anyways. Why can't you just show mercy with me over here? Why do I got to go there for them to show mercy? Why can't I just stay here? For I knew that you were a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and a great kindness and repentance of the, of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take and beseech thee My life for me, for it is better for me to die Than to live Think about that Jonah is mad at God's kindness Now, think about that for a second Jonah is mad at God's kindness Now, if we're honest with ourselves We're probably the same like Jonah Just think about that for a quick second That God shows mercy to those who you think Need justice. Now, for a quick second, if you can, really begin to evaluate how you view God's kindness, not just on your life, but on others' lives. On what God has done for you, could He also do for others? Shouldn't that happen as well? See, but you and I, if we're honest, That as the people of God, we're actually more comfortable with God's judgment rather than hearing God's love. Think about that. We're actually more comfortable because when you share about God's love and God's mercy, it makes people get like real like squirmish. Like, uh, why did God love them? Like, uh, Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, but when it comes to God's judgment and God coming down and doing something, oh, they deserved it. I knew it. Right? We're more comfortable with God's judgment than God's mercy. If we talk about God's mercy and and God's kindness and God's love, like, well, yeah, well, don't forget, God judges people, too. Yeah, okay, I I know that. But God is kind. God is loving. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't forget. Oh, my gosh. Now, what's funny is that I read this all the time, all over Facebook. I mean, there's going to be a new thing. uh, Probably, it's going to show up somewhere there in the Bible. Facebook prophets, right? uh, These people. I'm like, wow. They come. They dissect every scripture forward and backwards and forwards and left and right and 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 really the majority of them, I would say about 90 to 95 percent of all those things that they dissect have to do with God's judgment very rare god's love god well, okay yeah, yeah god loves the world but anyways let's talk about his judgment because if you ain't right then you must be wrong see but jonah was in this story finding out how is this wrong going to get righted god's love and god's mercy this is what you and i must understand even here this morning See, all of us are comfortable with the love and grace of God when it comes to us. But when it comes to somebody who's different than us, it makes even you and I struggle. For us to embrace God's best, we must be willing to relearn the love of God. For us to embrace God's best, we must be willing to relearn the love of God. Now, we must see something here. Jonah had a right to be upset in his eyes Because the Assyrians were a cruel and punishing people Now look at this They were a very evil empire Where they would find a kingdom that opposed them And they would peel their skin And find a way to keep them alive Now this is what they would do. They would take that skin and they would put it on pillars outside of the gate and they would hang the skin on the pillars so that when people would walk in, they would look up and they would have to walk under the skin of the people who opposed the Assyrians. They were a nasty people. You know what they would also do? They would find a way To make sure that not only the current people, but the next generation that would come up into any kingdom that would oppose them, what they would do is they would find their children and they would cut off the ears and cut off the nose of the children and make them walk around as a witness to you do not cross the Assyrians. What they would also do, these Assyrians, they would find the kingdom, they would go out and they would seek out and they would take salt and they would put salt on all the harvests and all the crops and they would make them starve to death. And then actually making sure that they would never harvest again. That's what the salt was for. Kill the thing and kill the ground. So these people, these Assyrians, they would make sure that no one would cross them. Doesn't this kind of sound like the ISIS of today? Sounds like the ISIS of today, doesn't it? Beheading people, cutting people, gouging out eyes. I was even reading the other day about how ISIS, I mean, just, they're sick and demented people. Just demented. All in in their name, of, of whatever name that they come up with. That they just, oh, just... The sickening things uh, I was saying That they were talking about They were throwing homosexuals off the roof I don't know if you saw that ISIS was throwing homosexuals off the roof They were throwing uh, uh, women Who did not obey their husbands They were uh, uh, gouging out their eyes And slicing off their ears This is today This is modern day ISIS is the modern day Assyrians You guys You, you caught up today with me Okay now Imagine god telling you go witness to isis now be honest be honest you'd probably run too right see at first when we first started talking about jonah like man what's wrong with jonah why did you run now you know why i mean that's that's a heavy thing That you gotta go preach to people who have mastered the art of skinning people and keeping them alive. And you gotta go tell them if you don't get right, God's gonna destroy you. Okay, peace. (laughs) That's really all he did. He didn't have a long sermon, probably the worst prophetic word of all time. It's only like a few words, it's true. Y'all need to get right, or God's going to destroy you in 40 days. All right, late. <laughs> see, in Jonah's mindset, just like even many of our mindset, we think God's going to get them. God's going to tell you. You watch these videos, and you see these things, and you're like, oh, God's going God's to gonna get them. God's, of course, God God has to get them, right? They were nasty people. These are horrible people. See, these people would do things that would go beyond the human uh, mindset of being what we would call even natural. You know what another thing that the Assyrians did? What they did in order to kill off any other race because they were already looked down upon, and so that's why they were so brutal, is that they caused the Israelites to intermarry them. And have, be, be married and have sex with them so that what they would do is they would take away the pureness of the Jewish race and they would be mixed babies. They did that on purpose. When you read later on, these mixed babies were called Samaritans. So now, what is going on here that we even see with Jonah inside of us? It's important to see what God was doing with Jonah is the same thing That God is even doing with us. Listen to me. It's very important. God is not nearly as interested as getting your enemies as you are. And on the flip side, it's the same thing. God's not nearly as getting you as your enemies are. So, for those of us that we live our life thinking, man, you know what? God's got to get them. He's, oh, man, I can't wait for God to, ooh, wait, God's judgment, God's going to get them. They've been talking about me, they've been doing this about me. Ooh, just wait till God gets you. See, if you understand what God was even trying to do with Jonah, you and I must be honest that we got to relearn the love of God. Our love is totally different than God's love. See, you and I must understand that when it comes to relearning the love of God, it's going to flip your world upside down like Jonah's life was getting flipped upside down. Oh, no, they they could never be be used by God. They've done so much bad things. They've done so much horrible things. God is going to get them. He is going to get them. He's going to get them. He's going to keep them. He's going to wash them clean, and they're going to be a testimony to God's life-changing power. That's what's going to happen. See, but you and I, we don't think like that. We think... I've got it together. They don't. Therefore, God has got to get them. Right? Well, maybe it doesn't happen to you, but it's happened to me. I know plenty of times. I know many times when I first got saved, that's how I thought. I thought, I'm good. I'm a good person now. I know I make mistakes. I do little things here and there, but them, ooh, they're horrible. I mean, ooh, I I can't imagine what God's going to do to them. See, but Jesus, even himself, spent a lot of his ministry trying to get everybody to relearn the love of his father. Getting them to understand that, hey, the way that you think God loves is not the way that God really loves. It takes a little bit of adjusting and a little bit of changing. Look at your neighbor and say, don't run. See, what you and I must understand is that when it comes to the love of God, God's love supersedes man's love. Oh, isn't that awesome? I love that. That God's love supersedes our love. The way that we see fit. The way that we love people. The Bible says that there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Now keep in mind, I was studying that whole scripture, studying that whole verse and there. Matter of fact, you can find it in John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8, there's a woman who's caught in adultery. And the Bible says that the woman is brought before Jesus... Now, for whatever reason, how come the man wasn't? Mm -hmm. It's true. I'm just telling you the truth because even some of the most prestigious men are still pig men. Just for whatever reason. Anyways, they thought they were in position. They could do what they want. So they brought this woman. The Bible says she was caught in the act of adultery. So in other words, this. It didn't say that they knew she did adultery. It says that they caught her in the act. So if someone is caught in the act, they're probably not fully clothed, right? Right? Because they went in there, like, oh, get over here. And they probably got a blanket and maybe just threw it on her. And a, right there. So, really, here you go. You got a woman who's standing or kneeling or sitting being thrown in front of Jesus, who's probably half naked now, and probably could have been beaten on the way from over there to over here. And here's Jesus. He must keep the law. You got to. Because the law states that any woman or man, but for whatever reason, they brought the woman. Caught in the act of adultery should be stoned to death, right? Be stoned to death. So Jesus, what does he do? He says, okay, you're right, absolutely right. But I say, he who is without sin cast the first stone. So all of a sudden, and you can read it on your own, one by one, they all left. They all left. Now what was heavy about that scripture is that as they all left, the Bible says that Jesus was writing in the sand. Now he was right now, nobody knows what he wrote in the sand, but I don't know, maybe it was like, O-M-me, you know? I was <laughs> like, could have been in the Hebrew or something. And so he's there. Now this is what, what really like got me was this, as I began to study it. Because he looked at the woman and said, woman, where are your accusers? I said, they're gone. Now, what's heavy about that is because the the Torah states that in order for judgment to happen, because remember, they didn't go to courts. They just needed a rabbi with authority, and they just needed anybody else who also had the authority and two people. There's a lot of times where there's two or three, two or three, both good and bad, good and bad, two or three, two or three, two or three. So Jesus knew that, and he said, look, where are your accusers? Because if you look around, we need somebody else to accuse you. I'm the only one here. So somebody else must accuse you of what you did wrong. But since there's nobody else here to accuse you, go and sin no more. I can't accuse you. Go. I can't condemn you. See, you and I must be able to relearn the love of God. See, we try to think the law of God. But a lot of times when it comes and you want people to repent for their ways, you need to find the love of God. Tell your neighbor the love of God. There was even another time where Jesus was preaching. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, you can find it in Mark chapter 2. And as he's preaching in a house, all of a sudden the hole gets cut open. And when the hole gets cut open, there's a guy that's come down. But this is my favorite part of the scripture. One of my favorite verses that Jesus, the Bible says, as he was preaching, he looked at the man who was on the mat, who was crippled, who could not get up, but he looked at his friends and said, because of your faith, he's healed. I love that. That's like... That's exciting to me because a lot of times we think, oh, no, no, no. the pastor's got to pray. The pastor's got to lay hands. The pastor, we got to do this. There has to be like this. You know, the the earth has to shake and and the walls got to tremble. And and really, God says, no, I don't have to tremble any walls. I just need to tremble your faith. I just got to shake up your faith. If your faith can shake up, it will heal your friend, it will heal your son, it will heal your daughter. See, you have to to relearn and uh, rethink the way God's love and God's mercy really is. It's not the same way that you and I think. It's totally different. But when you begin to understand and grasp this, and all of a sudden, it'll flip your world upside down, and not just your world, but even a person on a mat's world just totally flips it upside down. Even the prophet Isaiah understood it, and he knew that it was a heart issue. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, it says, And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil, but learn to do this well. Now, this is very important. Basically, right here, the prophet Isaiah is saying this. He says, look, you go to church, you lift your hands." You say all this stuff. You think you're doing all this stuff, but all of a sudden, I don't really look at what you're doing there. Yeah, yeah, you go to church. This is the first book of Isaiah, the first book of Isaiah. Then he's talking about it, and he's saying all this, and then he says this. He says, "Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow." He says, "Wait, wait, wait a second. Hold, hold on. Teshuva, Sadakah, all that stuff." See, you and I think that it's, I got to come to church, I got to wear a tie, I got to be on time, I got to do this, I got to do that. But listen, my friend, really, it's when you leave here, can you express the kindness and the grace of God, the love of God. This is a, a place where you can learn the love of God, but let's be quite honest, this is not a place where you can act on it. I mean, you, we give you an opportunity within maybe an hour or two. Yeah, like, yeah, you could try. Maybe you have an issue with somebody here in the church. But let's be honest. We create a good atmosphere here. We try our best to create that atmosphere that is loving, that is kind, that is good. We want to give you a little slice of heaven every time you come. That's, that's our job. That's what I feel that, like I want to do, create a good shepherd's field for you from your shepherd and, and making sure that you have that, that opportunity. But let's be quite honest. When you leave here, the atmosphere is not like that at home. It's easy to forgive somebody here, but when you go home, oh, I just dare—I dare you to say—I just dare you to say something. I dare you to say something. Oh, just go ahead. Just oh, oh. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I have my right hook. In the name of—that's what Isaiah was saying says, oh, you come to church and you lift your hands and you sound great and you look good, but when you go home, you still have that evil way. See, this is where Jesus was trying to say, listen, you got to relearn the love of God. Even Philip, the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, he sees a eunuch and he baptizes him on the spot. I love that scripture right there. He baptizes a eunuch. Now, what's heavy about it, this is a whole other message for a whole other time, but I'll give you the short version. There's a guy, he's studying the scrolls, and all of a sudden, as he's studying, uh, God tells Philip, okay, I want you to go. There's a guy right there in a chariot. Go up to him, walk up to him, talk to him, and all of a sudden, he starts talking to him, and the eunuch, right, Ethiopian, he's from Africa. He's there. They don't mess with each other. He's from Africa. He's got darker skin. I'm a Jew. Hold on one second. What's going on? We're not supposed to associate. Matter of fact, he even says that. Hey, you're not supposed to associate. It's all good all of a sudden the eunuch even says okay well look i've been studying and i've been looking what do i got to do to get rid of in order that i can get baptized and philip's like well you want to get baptized right now there's some water let's do it eunuch's like hey there's water let's go and he baptizes him right there See, a lot of us, we think, no, 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 you, you, you got to go ahead and you, ha- you must at least take 10 classes before you understand what baptism really is. <laughs> minimum, minimum 10. You have to be able to lift your hands here and not here. Because if you lift your hands here, you don't really fully understand the love of God. It's got to be here. So at least six inches higher. If it's six inches higher, okay, then, you, then you've got it. <laughs> now, look, let's be honest. That is how we think sometimes, don't we? Oh, they're dressed nice. They're they're starting to get it now. Oh, he's dressed horrible. He doesn't get it yet. If we're honest, we can see ourselves in every one of these stories. We could look at this. and we could say, wait wait, wait a second, Philip just baptized the guy on the spot. Like, wait a second, how are you going to baptize somebody on the spot? You know what's another story that gets me? Acts chapter 10. Peter talks to a centurion by the name of Cornelius there's a whole nother story a whole nother one that is just like it, it blows my mind because here's Peter Right, he gets called for. That's what happens. Cornelius has a vision. Okay, I gotta come. There's this guy named Peter. He's staying over here. Bring him over here. Peter comes, and then when Peter walks in the house, Cornelius he kneels down and he's like quick to like, oh, you're God and you're awesome. Peter's like, I'm just a man, don't be doing that. Stand up and they start talking. And all of a sudden, Cornelius, when you study, could have been the very first Gentile convert. Now it's very important, even when you read the scriptures later. The Bible says that Peter was getting messed with and mocked with and totally they were just coming against them because he was witnessing to Gentiles. You don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. So here's Peter understanding. Matter of fact, he even tells Cornelius that. He says, hey, I just want you to know I'm not supposed to be here, but because you had a vision and I had a vision and we got visions. All right, let's talk. And the Bible says that as they begin to talk, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they begin to get baptized. And the Bible says that the Jews that followed Peter, or the circumcised, they were amazed at those that were getting baptized who were uncircumcised. Whoa. You mean to tell me that God can fall? on the Jews and the Gentiles? Wait, wait, you mean to tell me that blacks and whites and Mexicans and Filipinos and Cambodians and Polynesians and El Salvadorians and Puerto Ricans? Puerto Ricans? I don't know about Puerto Ricans. But and Puerto Ricans? You mean to tell me that God can use any of them and fall on any of them? That's crazy. Wait, wait, wait. I thought when you went to church, they were supposed to be all black and all white and all Mexican that's what I thought and let's be honest if we're honest with ourselves we can find ourselves in that same story thinking the same thing no 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 there's a black church and you're supposed to go to an all black church no 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 no. that's a brown church you're supposed to go to an all brown church because for whatever reason the spirit of God only moves when everybody's all brown (laughs) if we're honest that's how a lot of us think now what I love about here in Victory Arch Heart of the Bay, we've never really preached that at all. That's never been our philosophy because that's not the, the Bible's philosophy. Never has and never will be. But a lot of times, that's how we think. Oh, no, 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 no. If you're going to marry, you must marry another white person. Or you've got to marry another black person because you're black or you're Mexican. You've got to marry another Mexican. No, 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 no. You need to understand something. God has cleansed everything that you and I have felt felt unclean god has called listen to me and this is where the book of jonah as you can come to the piano right now with the book of jonah jonah had to understand even though man these people were horrible they did bad things god's gonna get them and god says i am gonna get them i'm gonna love them i'm gonna show them grace and i'm gonna show them mercy no you can't show them mercy you they, they, they can't they're too horrible They've done bad things. Now, that's the truth. They did do bad things. But God's love covers a multitude of sins. He covers it all. Here this morning, you and I must understand that God's love, God's love covers. That what you think is supposed to stay uncovered all its life. God's love. See, here this morning, where would you be today? If God had not touched your life, we must keep this awareness in front of us at all times to teshuvah Sadaka prayer repentance generosity. I close with this Isaiah chapter 57 Verse 16 It's a great scripture from the prophet Isaiah It says I will not accuse them forever nor will I always Be angry For then they would faint away because of me, the very people I have created. I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid my face in anger. Yet they kept on in their willful ways. Now let's be honest. If we see somebody continuing on in their willful ways, We think, God's going to get them. God's going to get them. If we finish off the scripture, we would think, and they did evil in God's sight, and God punished them. Now, I say that because of this. When I learned this, it totally changed my perspective when I heard people say that they're a Christian. Because I always thought that they must be a Christian like I'm a Christian. And let's be honest, I, I come to church, I, I do my best, I seek the righteousness of God, I try to put, even in my ways, and my parenting, as best as I can, in my finances, and I try my best to follow the ways of Christ, to follow the biblical standard of living. Am I perfect? No. But there's been many times where I have seen different men and I have seen different women, they come up on a stage in front of thousands of people, and they win an award When they win the award, one of the first things that comes out of their mouth, right, happens still to this day. They get the award and they say, man, I just want to thank Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. He's the Lord of my life. And right away, in my mind, the way I used to think was, this guy, look at him. He's no Christian. He's accepting an award for doing drugs and doing this and doing that. So right away, that's, you know, this is how I think. There's no way. That's not a Christian. God's going to get him. That's just how I think. But when I learned this, it totally changed the scripture. In other words, I kept reading. Because the scripture then says, I have seen their ways. I have seen their willful ways. After I hid my face in anger, but it says, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips, peace, peace to those far and near, says the Lord. And then he says it again, and I will heal them. In other words, you're not God. You're not God. So you're not the one that has to worry about, God, you got to get them. That's not your job you're not God. Well, God why are you using them they just bar- they barely got saved they don't know what they're doing they're, they don't fully comprehend how could they get baptized they gotta do they don't fully understand you're not God you don't have to worry about that that's not your job if you came out of the womb with a certificate that said I am the son of God okay then I'll listen to you but I have yet to find anybody with that that's not our job Jonah had to relearn the love of God in a whole different way. Even to a group that we would call ISIS, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda. We would think, man, they're they're horrible people. Now, the truth is, they are horrible people. But what happens if they repent of their ways? What happens? Oh, is it going to be like this? Yeah, we'll see. Right? We think like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's doing good, but we'll see. Oh, yeah, 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 he's doing good, but it's just a matter of time. Because according to God, it says, look, 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 your ways are not my ways. I could do what I want, when I want, however I want, to whom I want. It's my grace and my mercy. You just have to accept it, and you just have to embrace it. That's it. The moment you embrace God's love, it'll change your marriage. The moment you embrace God's mercy, it'll change your parenting. The moment you embrace what God had truly called you to do, it'll change your job. It'll change your finances. It'll change the whole thing. Because no longer are you having to worry about, it must be done like this. Says who? Says you, Jonah? Because if we're Jonahs, we're good runners. That's why here this morning, I want to challenge you. Stop running from the grace of God, from the love of God. God loves you just the way that you are. And the moment you accept that, your love for everyone else changes. It changes for everybody else. We're thinking, man, my kids, they don't change. Well, maybe they're waiting for a mom or dad to change. What about us? The way we love. See, because we think, well, this is how I grew up. And they're going to take it like that. Well, the way you grew up, you didn't know true love to be quite honest many of you not all of you but some of you if you're honest with yourself you didn't grow up with that love constant affection telling you you were good telling you were great so you think well they're going to be fine embrace God's best relearn God's love bow your heads with me here this morning Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would touch the hearts, the minds, the bodies, the souls, Lord God, of of the men and women that are here this morning, Lord God. Let your power go beyond what we think, even within our lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, I know, Lord God, that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, Lord God. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, let your power, let your power, let your power. Go beyond what even an altar call can do. Father, I thank you and I praise you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to make an altar call, even as you're seated. Because I want to pray for some of you here. That you have been running from the love of God. This might not be for a lot of you. This might be just actually for a few of you, maybe a handful. But you've been running from the love of God. And that's why it's been very difficult for you to love others. And you think, man, they're all hating on me. No, they're not hating on you. It's just you haven't embraced God's love yet. Jonah, it took him a while to understand God's love. Now, let's be honest. I don't care if you've been saved one week, one year, or one decade. If you need to learn to embrace God's love, I want to make a call out for you right now with every head bowed and every eye closed and you're saying you know what pastor you know what shepherd you know what I, I feel it in my heart right now I, I need to embrace God's love in a whole different way uh, people are not coming against me people are not trying to do this I know that God you're, you're trying to show me something maybe I've been in the belly of a whale for a, a, a while and I don't really fully understand what it all is And and but God I'm starting to uh, I really want to and I, I want to embrace your best for my life and I know I'm not perfect but God help me to see your ways. Help me to understand your path. Help me to embrace what you have given me right now. And if that's you here this morning, as they begin to sing this song with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. I want you to come to this altar and I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you in a personal, intimate way. It may not be a lot, but even the few if you are saying, you know what, I'm ready. I need, I want, I desire to embrace God's best, God's love for my life. I want to take this time. I want to